And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Dad Bod Rap Pod, episode 141. I don't know where y'all are at. But where I'm at, there's a slight chill in the air. And by the looks of it on Zoom, Nate has got his lightweight autumnal autumn beard. <laughs> He's got his autumn beard going down. Uh, my name is Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dim One. I am joined by the beard-clad Nate LeBlanc. How's it going, man? Good. I think uh, it's what Mary J. Blige always wondered. What's the 141? The one <laughs> I, b- I believe I have that correct. Yes, dyslexic Nate. Um, <laughs> episode one forty one, man. Um, it's been a it's been an interesting week, as every week in this eternal hellscape seems like it's very interesting. But for us, it was very interesting because we got mentioned on kind of a an A list uh, web platform. You want to tell them a little bit about a. Uh, our good news this morning? Sure. So I woke up this morning and like I do every morning, I usually read a little bit before I begin my day. And one of my common uh, stops is the ringer.com. The ringer is the kind of stepchild of Grantland, which was my favorite website of all time. And um, there was an article, an interview with Open Mike Eagle by uh, this dude named Justin Sales, and they talked about Mike's great new album, as they should, and then they kind of transitioned into Mike's other ventures, and right there, it's like, he's talking about the Dad Bob Rap Pod, and uh, the they asked about um, our buddy Sean Kantrowitz's podcast, Can't Knock the Shuffle, as well. Um, they talked a lot about um, what had happened was, which is Mike's amazing, should be podcast award-winning um, interview series with Prince Paul and how that all got started, which we already kind of know already. But it's like, no one told me this was a thing. I discovered it on my own. I was I reading know. an article I was reading of my own volition, and then it ended up talking about me. I was just so mm-hmm. crazy. I was just like flabbergasted by that. So it's, it's like very cool of Mike to mention us in his media yeah. appearances about his album. It's very cool of the ringer editors and of Justin to make room for that and to not cut yeah. it out. Um, yeah. And just, it's just very, very cool to see us talked about on a platform that I'm actively interested in. It doesn't feel right to call it a blog. It's not a blog. It's bigger. It's bigger than a blog, but I think it's, it's like the, what would you call it? The, the Stanford mall of blogs. <laughs> if Eastridge is just the mall, the Stanford Mall would be the ringer. I'm sorry for folks who are not from. Yeah, the non-Palo Altans are going to have a hard time following that analogy. Uh, but I know what you mean. It's, it's better funded and just bigger and frankly better than a normal, than a normal blog. Um, yeah, so that was super cool. Um, very excited to see that. It's like there's a few people in my life who I often send ringer stories to or whatever. So I'm like, oh, look at this. Mm, circle, highlight. 22 point font yeah yeah that was that was fun to uh to check out this morning as well when you shared it and I've always had this interest not interesting I've always had this like 
envious relationship with with the the Bill Simmons universe. Um, and there's Lucia. Uh, he kind of invented blogging in a way. I was I was heavy into his stuff very early. Um, the style and the tone of which I think he really, if he didn't invent it, he popularized it, right? I'll go with which that. Is, yeah. Yeah. He, he'll, he spun it into Grantland, which is this huge thing, didn't last. And it kind of, the remnants of which are the ringer. And it is kind of the biggest bloggy thing that still happens, right? Like, I'm not sure if it, it that characterizes it quite right or not. But what, to me, what it does well, which Grantland did better but it still does well is it's it's kind of a general audience blog that is about sports but it also covers other things and it, it's not like it it just it does sports and it marries sports and pop culture the way like to me like a normal person's brain does like i watch sure. movies and baseball games you know sure. i i follow they, they'll dabble in some light politics stuff it's not a politics light. blog but it's election season there are election articles um, and sure. they'll find inroads into like political coverage. Like they had an interesting piece the other day about how, why Jim Carrey's Joe Biden impression is so bad, <laughs> which it is. And that kind of seemed to land like there, there was finally a decent episode of SNL this week. I think it's the third or fourth one of the season. And I, I think, feel like they just hit their, their stride for this season a little bit. Um, my wife watches SNL like I watch sports. So like we have to watch it whether it's bad or not. It's like you don't, to see you don't turn on the game. You don't turn off the game just because the Giants are losing. If you're right. a real fan, you stick around and see what happened with the kid from AAA getting his first at bat and what's the, the eighth reliever's uh, curveball looking like these days. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it has been <laughs> kind of dark times for that. But um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a platform, and I guess it's mainly a podcasting platform um, these days. Yeah. That's what seemed yeah. to be the big thing from that. Um, some really talented people have shows on there. Some people we, we kind of look up to. So it's cool. It was cool to be mentioned. Um, Absolutely. I will say, not, not, a, not a huge bump in followers or anything. I'm not sure how many people are reading down to the, the end paragraphs of uh, their hip hop coverage, but it's just cool to see. It just, it, it just made me feel good. And it's like, it, it, it feels like momentum, right? It's like, yeah. Yeah. It's one more thing. Uh, we've been on a, on a positive incline not to be, too self-reverential. I, I do want to take a second to, um, we talked about Open Mike Eagle's new album um, last week quite a bit. Uh, I do want to circle back on something and maybe we'll have him on sometime in the near future. But when he was on our program months back, he talked to, we talked to him about did having a TV show create a tangible bump for him in bookings or sales and he was like nah it's not like that but when i see that he's gone over a million streams um with this album i go in less than i think a week. that yeah in less than a week i think that's the bump i think the general awareness of who open mike eagle is uh to a, a wider audience um is there in a way that it's not for his contemporaries like a bus driver or no can do or you know what I'm saying I'm just saying similar people that come from a similar place I hear you and I have one important piece of information I feel like needs to be inserted in this conversation when he came on the show that first time when we basically we first met him it was a year ago I was looking for an image in my phone earlier and so I scroll back and I have all the little image things that Dave makes for us mm -hmm. to promote the show and it was in it was in late October of last year yeah. that this all started isn't that crazy 
a lot has and, changed in this year. And he was tired then. <laughs> I feel for him now. Like, oh my God, Mike. Um, so yeah, I listened to his appearance on Can't Knock the Shuffle and he, he gave even more detail about the kind of disillusion of the new Negroes as a television show and about, about like ownership of the things and the record industry. Really, really great interview. You guys should all be listening to Can't Knock the Shuffle and you should all be listening to Mike. And so I wonder what he would say and we should have him on. We shouldn't speculate about what I've, I've come to calling him our patron. Our pa- like, like uh, he's, I he's, prefer Patron. it's like that silver patron he's the good patron uh yeah it's like he's definitely not our boss and he's not quite our friend i I like calling him our patron i think that's funny um yeah he's like someone we do business with uh in a weird way he curates us and i think that's what patrons do absolutely chose us to join his network and like you know the the fringe benefits of it have been great um including just kind of having access to him like i'll just like shoot him a little message occasionally and like it's he answers it's like it's crazy so anyway um we should talk about hip-hop because that's why people listen to the show i it's debatable sometimes because whenever we go into like a talking brazy uh little side thing i think that's when we get the most like you guys gonna talk about food more uh but we are a hip-hop podcast if you read the ringer you know we are a hotbed of underground rap journalism heavy words being parsed about i know we've Um, had such uh recent quibbles about whether or not this is journalism i think this adds fuel to the fire Actually, yeah, we're 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 low key lightweight journals in uh in Dave's absence. And, oh, can uh, I tell you something, dude? I finished huh. the thing I've been working on for two years. You guys, I want to be I want to be a supportive friend of Nate, but I feel like he he jerks my chain with this thing he's been working on forever and is not finished. And... Hopefully, I'll talk about it next show because I just sent it and I believe it's coming out Friday. So okay. All right, Nate Electronica. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if the shit drops. Uh, um, of you for getting to the to the finish line. Thank you, um, sir. <laughs> it was not easy, and mostly because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I was tell I was telling one of my coworkers who has been following this saga. It mostly took so long because every time I would get a new round of edits, I would pout for a week before addressing them. That's so dope. Uh, it's like the, the new meme of like, I'm late because of who I fundamentally am as a person. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Us on times do not appreciate it. <laughs> I'm very punctual so in my real life and in my meetings. The meeting deadlines for writing, not as much sometimes. That's right. But um, looking forward to that piece coming out. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a, a little bit about that when it drops. But um Wanted just to have a, a little bit of conversation here in our introductory plenary segment of Dad Bod Rap Pod today. Uh, 25 years ago this week, um, a really seminal album in my kind of music education came out and something that was very important to folks in this part of the world. Uh, and that is AC Alone's All Balls Don't Bounce uh, solo record came out in the year of our Lord, 1995. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to kind of look back on it. How has it aged? What did it mean? I definitely had a, a, a 
deep and profound impact in, in certain subsects of, of underground hip hop. And I just kind of wanted to get your feelings, Nate. I know you were an avid backpacker during said time, your gen sport was on tight. Um, yeah, what are, your, what are your recollections, memories, assessments of all balls don't bounce? I, I've thought this since it came out. Shouldn't it be called not all balls bounce? Damn it, Nate. It's like Sammy Semantics is back. Some balls certainly do bounce. Some roll. Some hang. Some hang. I know. Okay, now that I've got that out of the way, I've always thought that. It's always bothered me, but it's fine. It's the rhyme scheme he wanted to go for. Um, yes, I love this album. I've always had a very like fond place for this album. To me, it's AC Alone's second best album. Um, and Book of Human Language is quite a bit better, but this is very, very good. So this is his first solo album coming out of the fellowship um it's got great guest appearances um i actually am extremely fond of the songs about girls they're you know one of them in particular is like this is not a love ballad but it is a slow song um both anna lilia and makiba um both ended up being on a lot of mixtapes that i made uh you know when they were on tapes and i would use them to try to express my feelings um back in the day um so i've always loved those songs um ace is just rapping his ass off on this like he's he's fast he's fluid with the language he's braggadocious um he was just he just had a lot of energy um abstract rude has a couple of great moments on here and they have such great chemistry together because while ac alone doesn't always rap fast he he can rap quite fast and ac or uh, abstract rude has that deeper voice the kind of wizened talk rapping like um mm. you have to wait for it kind of to sure. come in and it's, so it just makes such great contrast um yeah i i love this record i listened to it today to me it holds up but i have intense nostalgia for it i don't know what i would think about it if i if i didn't if i was hearing it for the first time but a question i wanted to ask you is is this jazz rap Ooh. that's a great question if if there is such a thing i definitely feel like inner city griots more hits that mark um for me this is the not the beginning of but definitely for us on the west coast this was our second great lyrical miracle record um the first being 93 till infinity um and this was kind of like an update on that and kind of introducing to the world, the world really, that whole style, the kind of uh, Project Blowed, Freestyle Fellowship, um, that whole sound. It was kind of everybody's real introduction to it. And I feel like um, probably deserves more credit in the sense that, yes, Book of Human Language is a better record, but I think we know not we know who AC alone is because of this. He, I think it solidified him as the person um, outside of the fellowship that had his own kind of uh, voice and career. Um, and honestly, a way that a lot of the other guys didn't. Right. Um, do the other ones have definitive solo projects in, at their prime like that? Like mm, there are, yeah. there are many albums by many of the dudes, but is there like two you can point to like that where you're like, this is it. This is the essence of that person. They nailed it. 
not quite right like it yeah. never never quite gets there with the rest of the fellowship guys and i've always felt like and i want to see what you think about this i always have felt like obviously the fellowship are all god level rappers let's just put that out right now i always felt like ac alone was the guy who came down from the mountain to explain it to the common people like his his style of rap so many of us especially in san jose in particular really gravitated towards it because it was accessible in a way I think that a Micah 9 um, or Self Jupiter is not. Like their styles are infinitely harder to latch on and copy. I felt like for a while San Jose rap was everybody trying to do their all balls, don't bounce uh, take for better or for worse. I'll certainly say that San Jose has always been kind of a good market for AC alone. And he's always been extremely popular here. Like AC alone was in everybody's collection. Like you have your E40, your two short, yep. your yep. AC alone, your like, maybe like a, a, a grouch. You yep. know, it's just like, those are people who just like resonated here. He was like very popular here, um, including with me. Like I, I love AC alone. Um, and the, I, I think there's a time you could take a time, a slice of life from, the first freestyle fellowship record tell book of human language. And you'd be hard to convince me. He's not one of the best rappers in the world at that time. Like he's just operating sure. at such a high level. I want to address what you said. And I think it's an interesting thing. I it's hard for me to tell because, okay, let's, let's start with the supposition that there are people who listen to rap music who don't understand what the lyrics are. Yeah. Like it's crazy to me, but I hear about it all the time. Like to me, the lyrics <laughs> matter so much. Right. So yeah, if there yeah. was a guy in Freestyle Fellowship you were going to parse and like have a normal person understand what he's saying, yes, I 100% agree. He's that guy. Um, however, there's some pretty tricky stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is it Makiba? I believe Makiba is in a different time signature. It's like a, a three, four, or six, eight. I remember that being a big deal when that came out. Interesting. Like, I never know when anything is in any time signature, but that's that's very interesting to me. Um, yeah, I believe it's that one, and not Analilia. Analilia. And then there was this kind of whole, as a as again as a cultural moment for those of us who were the furthest away from New York centric rap this album was like a clarion call and he speaks to it. You know, it's, it's very much about the West coast and um, having our, us, our sound. I mean, I identify with it in the sense of our sound uh, and it had that relevance and it was on a major label. And I'll, I'll say it, there was a naive belief on some of our parts that this was going to take this sound over the top. Like that was yeah. all balls on bounce is going to come out. It, it's um, not on a major label. It's on Capitol fricking records. The, the most iconic building, Like it's yeah. on the same label as the beach boys. You know what sure. I mean? Like that's exactly. crazy to me. Right. But uh, for whatever reason that didn't materialize. And I just remember being uh, slightly bitter about that. And that's kind of where, I love how uh, the oft-mentioned Sun Ra, me and him will get into little tiffs and I'll be like, you guys weren't good enough for AC Alone. <laughs> AC Alone wasn't cool enough for y'all, but we had to listen to Fat Joe and Dipset, goddamn. <laughs> um, that's where some of my ire comes from because I feel like of that sound in that time, which uh, Kendrick kind of re-brings back to life onto Pimple Butterfly in spots, 
speaking of jazz rap, uh, I thought All Balls Don't Bounce was the best representation uh, on a national level of everything that was going on in LA and on the West Coast at that time. Um, and so for me, yeah, a lot of it still holds up. Um, and a lot of it just takes me back to a place of like, we wanted to be this so bad. Yeah. Like, and w- would you say yourself included? Absolutely. Yeah. Like that, that kind of like everyday, um, he was an everyday spitter. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was about the wordplay. It was about being tricky and playful with the rhyme schemes and the stories and all that. And, um, and it was hard too at the same time. And the beats were, didn't compromise anything. And so I feel like um, in the same way, again, a couple years earlier that Souls of Mischief seemed to encapsulate the, the zeitgeist or whatever um, of where we were at in that time. I think All Balls Don't Bounce does a similar thing. And I think, and you can correct me on this because that's what you do on this program. Uh, I think that was the last go. I think after All Balls Don't Bounce comes out, I think AC is dropped if it's not months later. It's within that year. Like, it's not a commercial success. The source fucking panned it. Um, and it, it seemed like uh, the, the kind of shift in, in hip-hop was complete um, in terms of, of what vibes and aesthetics worked, were viable on that level, and which ones weren't. And so I always look at this, this record as kind of, in some ways, a watershed moment like this is you, you think of it as the mark. end of something I, i'm gonna kind of. slightly quibble and say like it's sort of the beginning of something because book of human language was never going to come out on Capitol records that's that's the most yeah. independent rap album e rap album there is right i think um initial copies were distributed by like new groove alliance and like that whole movement the independent record movement which in many ways on the West Coast, um, Freestyle Fellowship kicked off with um, To Whom It May Concern, really hit its stride and kind of got, got big in a way. Like the underground became its own scene. And like mm. there was a whole ecosystem of commerce with um, mail order and buying tapes and records at shows and like little smaller um, venues with different bookers. There was, a, there was a circuit for independent hip hop, right? Absolutely. And AC Alone was such like a, central focus of that for us in our area like um and i want to go back to what you said a little bit earlier though in like he's he's kind of an everyman but what i think is really interesting about this record in particular is that he never seemed to want to be anything else except for a rapper Mm -hmm. like he didn't want to sell shoes he did not want to get a corporate job he didn't want to own his own label he didn't want to do anything except for wordplay and to me, and I, I've never talked to him, and I really, really want to talk to him. He has so far not been bookable for us. Um, and I don't get the sense he like loves to look back on this time all the time. Like he's made a ton of records since then, and he continues to put out new material. But I would say he's at the very top of the list of people we'd want to talk to for the show. And I, I just want to talk to him as a person. Like, I want to tell him how much his music means to me. Like, he, he really, really was the soundtrack to a big portion of my life. Um, and I find him to be extremely wise and that's mostly codified in book of human language and what it has to say about humanity and learning and growing and changing, but it's evident here as well. Um, he he says a lot of cool stuff that you can apply to your life. And like, um, 
but over like some bright punchy tracks with some guest yep. stars and it's not so um bookish i had like i don't know where to go with that except for to say <laughs> that you know i'm embarrassed but you know what i mean right <laughs> no, I, I hear you yeah that's 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 a great point man i i he's a rapper's rapper for sure um and i i understand what you mean by it, it was the beginning of something it was it was the beginning the beginning of the end of this underground rap thing is going to be viable on a major label. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting. Sorry, also the I don't mean to interrupt, of, but I just want to yeah. acknowledge your point. Like, you're right. It didn't. When you felt that, you were right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, in I that know, moment. Right. Good or bad about that. And I have a post-it note here t- telling myself not to interrupt. But um, I have to say, you're definitely right. But, okay, for AC alone, for the West Coast, for, for those guys does that mean like black star and most deaf don't don't fit that trajectory it's like separate trajectories that's kind, like kind a, of a, a different discussion bit, but do you know what i mean yeah th- that's a great and there was that's a great point and there was always this kind of like when i saw the rockets thing taking off it felt familiar it felt like i i understand what that energy is and people kind of coalescing around being outsiders but to be an outsider in the mecca of hip hop is still to be an insider to a degree. Let's That's be interesting. Real. I, you know I think I mean? the defining feature of both, and we've talked about this a little bit on the show, I won't belabor the point, is that it's, it's rapping to impress other rappers, but it became popular with non-rappers. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like both the mm-hmm. raucous freestyle fellowship, New Eurekan scene, and the good life, Project Blowed, Lamert Park scene are born of ciphering. And yep. like the energy created in the circle of the cipher that got so electric, it carried over to normal people. Cause I'm a normal person. I'm not a rapper. I never like thought I could rap. So I was so excited by the things they did to impress each other that I became a mm. huge fan. It literally changed my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think no, that's, 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 the, that's the defining mechanism of underground rap. And like that's what makes it special. And AC alone is like an elder statesman of that. Of that feeling. Of that. You know what yeah. I mean? Absolutely. Um, in the sense, he was a, the grown ass man. Yes. Speaking um, to you, and at times when what seemed like a teenager thing, when you're listening to Souls of Mischief, you're listening to teenagers, like and super inventive and witty. But AC alone always had a presence of kind of an older cat that was that was giving you game. And and look, while. I think All Balls Don't Bounce was the beginning of the end of one phase, like when the far side has a major label deal and when, you know what I mean, when it was so hot and and like Dr. Dre is looking for Freestyle Fellowship to see if he can sign them. And that era was clearly over, but in the long run, when we look at what underground rap is today and how wild the diversity is, the run that Living Legends had um, and kind of still has in a way, they're all they're all of that is paved. Um, again, I'll say ninety three till was hugely influential, and I would put all balls don't bounce uh, right there with it. So, if you haven't, I would be interested for folks who never engaged with it during its time to uh, to give it a run. Like you, Nate, I'm it's it's like a family member of mine. Right. I can't I can't listen to it without the all the feelings and the memories. But I'd be interested to see what a what a 2020 ear would think of this. I, I'm also similarly um, 
kind of wondering if it holds up. I, I just don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Um, I will say this. Um, it's kind of hard to find. He redid it as like a deluxe edition and that's yeah. what's on Spotify, but it's very hard to find the, the real version of the record because it went out of print because of the reason things go out of print when like you kind of don't fit on a major label. They just yep. stop pressing your stuff and stop, stop servicing it. So I believe at some point the rights reverted back to AC alone and he did a reissue on uh, Decon. Um, that's and that's, that's what's currently available, but it has that's some stuff nice. on there. That's not really part of the album. We're, we're getting pretty nerdy here, but it is on Spotify as I think all balls don't bounce revisited or something like that. Yeah. That's um, right. That's and right. And it, yeah, it, yeah. Revisited. It says, so, uh, also, Damone, I don't know how you feel about this. I've never thought that this was the right cover for this record. It just, Absolutely not. It just doesn't fit, and it makes it look like a shitty record. Like, this is like an MC 900-foot Jesus-looking cover. Like, this is, <laughs> this is terrible representation of the music within. They went so literal. There's, like, a tennis ball and a basketball. It's like, who the fuck was there on this? Like... <laughs> anyway, I, I just think that that did it a disservice. Just a picture of AC Alone's face would have been a perfectly fine cover. You know what I mean? Like, oh just... man, that is so. It's it's funny. I've always felt that way, but I've never been able to put words on it. It's like if you have a grandma with like a big wart on the side of her face, and you, you to just you, don't say anything. It, you Your grandma, you love her. You don't want to say anything. You're not going to be that guy. <laughs> Welcome yeah, to Nate LeBlanc, calling yes. it as it is. Yes. I don't think I ever had the cassette, but I certainly had the CD and like wore it out in my Honda Accord and I have the vinyl and I have all the singles and it's like, that yeah. stuff matters. Like um, yeah. AC alone Over has always time, had especially. a cool logo and like the, the double A thing that looks like the freestyle fellowship double F and like he, he has a good sense. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's kind of the problem with, and I'm going to keep saying this, even though it's a little rude. Um, he probably didn't belong on Capitol. Like they, they were the wrong people for this project, both because it yep. didn't work out for either of them. And because like of stuff like this, like this record should be able to be heard and listened to and found. And if not in print, then at least easily accessible. So yeah, it's um, a, a complete West coast underground classic. And I realize it will never become part of the hip hop canon. I frankly don't give a shit to me. It's, it's a hugely important record, but for me, if you want to know about AC alone, you got to listen to the first two fellowship records and all uh, book of human language. For me, those, yeah, are, that, those are his yeah. masterworks. And this is a very good record. It's an excellent record. I like a lot of things about this record, but uh, it, to me, it will just never be as good. Yeah. It, as a, uh, you know, we've been having these recent conversations about rappers and when they get the, the big record, you know what I mean? Like this is the big record. So this was AC alone's big major label record um i just want to as we get into closing here i do want to shout out that he when he had the video for Mike check um he lets cve do a piece of their song called um calisthenics which is an amazing fucking song um in the beginning of the video uh and the nonces in that video and there's just a there's just a lot of energy. So I don't often recommend videos, but that is one I would recommend you check out and just understand that it's a very authentic slice of what that scene and what that energy was and how people were feeling at that time. Um, I think the video of Mike Check in particular captures that. Yep. 
the great recommendation. And I, I think it speaks to what you were talking about earlier. Like it, if this was going to happen, not only was AC alone poised to be a star, but he was going to bring yeah, everybody. everybody with him. Yep. It's yep. such a, it's such a scene. Like there's so many talented people, yep. just the kind of like first brigade of those guys, volume yep. 10 and like CVE and like there. And then you, if you, go down the lineage you get to your kind of milos that's where they open mike eagles yep, pretty fast. Yep. um it's not that long in in time uh, the eras are totally different but it's not that long in time that that energy that those guys created is still resonating through hip-hop and every once in a while we'll bring it up on twitter or uh, you know people find me insufferable in person because if you talk to me you have to end up talking about uh, the la underground which i literally never went to the good life or project bloat i just read about yeah. it but um it's just kind of something that I think is, is so important and so under-discussed. Mm. And because it's, the products are not easy to find, like this was one of the biggest records of that time and you can't find it. We just talked for five minutes about how it's not really around. Uh, try to find a CVE tape right now. In, in, impossible. You just have to... They're all in Sweden or whatever. Yeah, you, you, you have to settle for, uh, for listening to Death Grips with one, with one speaker on. Um, so, so, yeah. In summation, uh, All Balls Don't Bounce, horrible cover, really good record. We recommend that you check it out. You can always share your thoughts, vehemently disagree with us if you must on Twitter at DadBodRapPod. We have not only a podcast that looks backward with sometimes reverence and sometimes pointed critique, we also uh, look forward and talk about some of the new emergent exciting uh, voices in this genre. And today we have an interview with uh, a new, can we call them a super group? Super good. I think a super group has to be more than two people. A a new group of some really dope cats who combined forces. I'll go there. Yes, absolutely. It's a a dynamic duo of uh, Michigan-based producer, The Lasso, and... uh, Avant Guardian, Elucid, who we all know from his solo work and his work with um, Armin Hammer. Uh, and so we were able to corral them separately uh, for interviews about their new record, Small Bills, which um, I'm sure we'll talk more about in the, uh, the proverbial outro. But right now, here is our interview with Small Bills, The Lasso, plus... Elusive, Dad by Rap Pod. Dad bod rap pod. Every week we bring you conversations with people who are moving and shaping the culture, as they say. Today is no different. On the line, we have the lasso joining us. How's it going, man? Hey, I am do I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you're um you're uh, a producer uh down with Mellow Music Group. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the new record you have with the Lucent in just a little bit, but I wanted to 
ask you kind of about your your history. Um, reading a little bit about you online, you started as kind of an audio engineer um, and moved into the world of production. Could you kind of tell us about how you kind of made that transition or how you kind of got into being a, a I wouldn't say a hip hop producer, but a producer? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just grew up, you know, as a musician, you know, and loved records and, and I got obsessed with, you know, I still, I went to a school that had a band program and I got into playing the clarinet. And then I, you know, I, what I asked for for Christmas, I'm always grateful. My seven in seventh grade was a four track and my parents mm. got me that. And that kind of just started me being like the person who recorded their friends who played music. And, you know, I skateboarded a lot as a kid. So I knew people from all over the city and it just kind of was like, so, you know, you kind of, I'd record punk bands, I'd record rap, anything. And that became, you know, that kept going from when I was a teenager, you know, until now just being someone who, uh, you know, it, it had eras where I worked at commercial studios and I owned studios and, um, but, but the, the key part was that I played a lot of instruments and, and I wrote music and, you know, so audio engineering was a part of it, but I was always kind of like the producer in the sense that, um, out of all that still, I've made more music just by myself at home in my life. Like, that's what I do for fun. I don't play video games. Like I don't play sports anymore. You know, I just, I just play instruments and record. So um, but as far as, you know, transitioning really more into like the, the hip hop realm of things, like I was living in this town, Kalamazoo in Michigan. I had a studio that was um, well known by people around the area. And, you know, I'd been engineering a lot of hip hop and playing instruments on records and, um, you know, bless him like this. Uh, he's actually the guy who just left the studio, my house now, Motor Cam. He's a Detroit um vocalist kind of like ghetto tech meets rap kind of shit um real high bpms crazy flows um he uh he just kind of saw me running this label or this studio and playing these instruments and he's like you need to we need to find what our middle ground is and i see a lot of like he just kind of had a vision for maybe what i could do with my musicianship because i had mm. grown tired of where i was like those people are all my friends but i didn't know what to do with myself like Mm. at that point so cam and i just started a hip-hop group i started producing and um it just kind of changed you know changed everything for me that's awesome um th i'm gonna make a jokey question and then a real question will you sometimes play the clarinet on your current work yeah yeah i play i yeah no doubt all the time so. that's amazing okay i didn't yeah. realize i did so it's not a joke at all i was being no, serious no no yeah, so <laughs> i have the same clarinet i got in sixth grade you know that yeah. my parents took out a loan and whatever yeah. and we paid off over a few years yes uh, my sister yeah. thought she was gonna follow that path much to my detriment of my ears um it's rough yeah. when someone is learning that particular <laughs> instrument so totally um, i actually know like incredible instrumentalist these days so usually like i don't have to play it you know i'm not as good as, as i have a friend who's an incredible clarinet player who plays all over all these records he plays on small bills and nice. so oh, okay 
um, just to, to bring it up to the current moment, like what, what's your, what's your setup? When we talk to producers, we like to give people kind of a peek behind the curtain. Like, are, can you take the full, the full track up from drums to sample if there are any to mm -hmm. instruments to finish product, engineer it? Like what, and like, it, is it computer based, laptop based, rig based? Like what, can you just give us a yeah. sense of like what the, what the setup is? Yeah, I, I would, I would preface this by saying I you know I I had a gear habit for a while and mm. like <laughs> I worked in that industry so I got a lot of free gear and mm -hmm. I also liked flipping it and buying stuff but that's always an ebb and flow with me like sometimes I have nothing you know like if you gave me whatever like, I, I'm not an elitist with gear I don't even care like I like just I like all of it like it's all fun to me but right now um you know, the a a Ableton is kind of like, a, I came up on tape machines and I still own some really big, large format, one inch tape machines and cassettes. But so, so I treat Ableton like a, a tape machine. I don't make any of the music using the music making processes of a computer, but that's where I organize everything and edit and track. But, um, you know, everything on my records like uh, is, you know, it, like an instrument like the, the the drums even if i do end up kind of like treating them like samples like it comes from my drum kit and my percussion i play the bass i play the guitars i play the keys so there's a lot of like sampling myself and you know i like yeah. sampling too I, i'm not a i have a lot of friends who are great at sampling so like that's just never been my avenue but like sure. On the small bill stuff, like I had a stack, I still dig all the time. Like I have a stack of records and I chopped up some of them and layered them in on the small bill stuff, like percussion and shit. I'll still layer in from yeah. vinyl. Right on. But it's, it's mostly like a, what people classically think of as music making process. Like you're playing. Yep. Yeah. And I'm doing, you know, some, some instruments it's full take. Sometimes I loop it up. Like it depends on how good I am at the instrument, but, um, yeah, you know, I start on the drums always. And then usually a lot of like recently been writing the bass first and then kind of go from there. But, you know, keyboards and guitars are probably my most proficient instruments. Sure. Um, I think I first encountered your music uh, not not too long ago, your work with Lando Chill and Psy Spiritual. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know exactly where in the chronology either of those fall, but... Um, I guess are, do you you seem to be a little bit more attracted to like left field or um, I don't know how to put it like alternative mm. independent MCs like can you give us a sense of what you're looking for in a vocalist or a, a person you want to do a, a project with? Yeah, um, I mean it's a mix of just like feel and logistics and I don't know I'm not. I record every day and like, I'm not super motivated by like needing to record with someone famous or like, am I like anything? It's like I, everyone I've recorded with, like I've encountered it just in life and you know, it's maybe it's based around music, like, but still, you know, they're just people who I know I get to know and I get to know their sound. And then I start to think of stuff for them. That's probably the mm. most honest way of any of these people. Like they might, I might get to meet them through music, but over time it's them and not someone else maybe because it's just like, seems like we, there's something for us out there. Mm. So, so um, can you tell us how you met Elucid and kind of yeah. how, that, how that came to be? Yeah, yeah. I was, um, you know, and that relates to this, like 
Lando and I were out in New York playing um, a release show for his album, Black Ego, and Alusa got booked as the support act. Um, mm -hmm. And I had, can't remember the dates of all this, but Lucid, I came to know him through no, the Nostrum Grocers project because yeah. mm -hmm. I really, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Milo was just someone, I actually mm -hmm. saw Milo at this like tiny 10 person show down in Arizona oh, and it wow. was the most incredible show. It was like everyone who was there, like didn't know each other and we all became friends. And there's a lot of people who are really successful producers and stuff who all happened to get this weird Milo show. But either way, Milo has always been on my radar because that was such a special um, show. And then I heard the, um, you know, the Nostrum Grocers thing. And then our booking agent's like, hey, do you want this, this dude to be on the show too? And so we met just playing that show. And, you know, you kind of have to say the same things when you do interviews about a record, but it's true. It's like funny. He walked up to me backstage. He's like, what's up with the Farfisa? Because I had a Farfisa <laughs> that kind of organ. Uh, That's so tight. Lando's, Lando's records. I had a credit for it. And so you know, whatever, man, that's the root of it. It's like, that was a cool way to approach someone. I was like, all right, somehow this guy knows that. Cause I didn't connect that it was on Lando's record. Cause I had sold my Farfisa years ago and I had somehow it ended up in the credits. It was my Farfisa, but it was from it was old beat or something. But oh, wow. I don't know. It was like, we just got to talking and then it was like a similar thing. You know, once I met him, I saw a set, he started to be in my head and vice versa. And it was like, we're hitting each other up on Instagram. And I'm like, what do you want to, me to do with you? You know, like I, there's something there. And just that just took, that was years ago, you know? So, oh, interesting. It, it like, seems to me as someone who um, has, th this will if we can connect and get the logistics going, this will be our third time interviewing Elusive. Like kind of our show is like, we're trying to be a repository for that style of rap. I have a long okay. interview with Rory. Like we've, we've talked to Woods, yeah. we've talked to Elusive. We're kind of trying to, we've talked to Quelle Chris. Like we're trying to like mm -hmm. get these people's stories told, right? Like it's, it's important. We, I think yeah. that this music is really powerful and that people should be listening to it and taking it seriously. And so yes. Elusive is a huge part of that. Right. Yeah. And so, we have had an opportunity to listen to this new album that you guys did as small bills. And the thing that I want to talk to him about, but really what I first want to talk to you about is something is different about this project. And I don't know if it's because it was made on your home turf and he had to get out of New York or and I really, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I want to hear the story from you, but he sounds free and it sounds free. And oh, cool. I guess, I guess I just want to know what you think of that. Yeah, I think that's where we landed. It's funny, like, for me, too, when I hear those beats, I get a feeling of that of my own music on it, because it was, it took us a while to get there, because, you know, you just, like, we're both, you know, elusive more than me, but we're just people who have, like, music careers at this point, so then you start to team up, and it's just so obvious to be, like, I make the beats, and he raps over them, you know, and there's some of that in the past and we got together in Detroit like a while back and did some stuff like that when it first got momentum. And then just like things changed earlier this year where I don't know, we started to hit this, like just talking, texting a lot, going through so many beats. Cause I probably gave him a hundred beats for this project Whoa. over a year. Um, 
because I, I also just make a lot of shit. So he was like first on the email list because we're working on the project, you know? So it's like, we saw through so many things and we started to grab stuff. And then it was like, when we knew what we wanted to do, I think it's something we both wanted to do. We never had this, the, the opportunity prior to that with each other collaborators. So maybe that's where some of that, what you're saying with freedom comes from is, um, Maybe I opened some stuff that he wanted to do for him and, and vice versa that happened with me musically. Um, so yeah. And then I don't know. Yeah. You just get that with like maybe the process too of recording, you know, without, I wonder mm -hmm. what he would say if he's here, or you want me to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it. You know, yeah, like, please do. how I cut records with vocalists is as they're cutting, like, I'm editing the beats to fit the cadence in that moment. It's not like uh, we're tracking and then I'll figure it out later. Mm, like, they're not rhyming very, to a click or something. You're like performing it while they're- I already pretty much have the beat done. Okay. Like he's heard it for months. Everything okay. I do, like I record, I don't probably work longer than two or three hours on any instrumental. Like it happens in the moment. Like, okay. um, I play it all and then like I edit from there and I add stuff over time, but like pretty much the tracks you hear now kind of sound like the day I made the day I made them. Um, so, but there's a lot of room to like connect it to the specifics of, of a cadence or a vocalist or a, mm -hmm. a feeling. Um, there's the skeletons. It's like almost like you have the rhythm track done. So he's saying stuff and I'm like, that needs a drop there. Like, why don't I do this here, this here, this here? And, and he says, and he gets ideas. So maybe there's um, something about it too, where it's just like, um, there's that kind of like action reaction process that's actually happening in the vocal tracking sessions. Yeah, it, it definitely feels, um, to Nate's point, kind of a new ground for Lucid. We've heard him obviously on the Arm & Hammer stuff, Nelson Brooks makes his own. Uh, shit don't rhyme no more but um do you feel did you feel a certain like challenge especially because arm and hammer their last record is was really big um did you feel a challenge to give people something they hadn't heard because uh, some of this stuff i just i feel like we just haven't heard him in this kind of backdrop before is that something mm. you go into it with that was kind of just baked into the project probably with the two of us working together you know um I think just, you know, I love all his other records, but I can't do that stuff. Like I'm not pressured by shit I can't do as a producer. Like I don't, I just enjoy it, you know? So yeah, um, I can't really do that kind of music with him. And, you know, we knew there was something there and now the record's done and we're like, we're right. And I'm sure we're going to make more records. So it's like, you just kind of like go at it till you figure it out. I wish there was something more like premeditated, but I think we both knew like he, my music was way more ethereal before him. That's the stuff that was yeah. being released. And that wasn't necessarily the music I listened. That was just who was producing before. Okay. It's no more complicated than that. Or my mood maybe where, I, you know, things change over years, but um, yeah, he, he wanted, he asked for something different out of me and, you know, and I think then, you know, just, it's different. It's so different than 
Arm and Hammer, but the influences maybe are similar still. Like we're not, it's not like we couldn't all hang or something. Like we're all still coming from, like you were saying earlier, like why do I work with left field artists or something? It's like, I don't even think of them that way. They're just the people I like and yeah. want to work with. So I know I've only met you over Zoom for literally 15 minutes, but you seem chill as fuck. So I think there's kind of like a vibe thing that it's more mm. personal. And like, if you can catch the vibe with the person, it seems like it's creating some really, really interesting work. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's very evident on this this new record. And I, I just, I just want to throw one more term at you and see how you react to it. Like, there's a funk. Like, and I almost mean like the like, screw face, like, like, 45 dusty funk kind of sound and almost mm -hmm. princey parliament mm -hmm. funk as well which mm -hmm. i would kind of expect from like the michigan vibe but like it was that a touchstone as well or, or is that like, yeah. something i'm hearing that's not there i just how do you how do you react to that yeah that's that's like that's a dangerous word to use funk especially as a white guy you know and it's because it's like <laughs> safe space it safe space a lot, a lot for a different people but that's the street i live on as a musician when i'm when i'm making rap like i can go hang there and visit and have fun but like the shit that's natural for me and i've known this as i've gotten older is just like like prince and parliament are touched like those are the most important artists for me in the last few years are like george clinton and prince like yeah being that i live um near detroit and like just you know, you get older and you're more comfortable with who you are as a musician. Like, that's what I listen to for fun. I don't think my music, it's quite sounds like it. Like, I'm not ever trying to make that kind of music, but that's like the sounds I like and it seeps into it. So we talked about that, you know, like that was a cornerstone of just like something in the early conversations, you know, because if I gave those tracks like safe house, are you guys familiar with the record enough mm -hmm. for me to say the name of the track? Yeah, please. Okay. Sure. Like yeah. safe house. Like I could give that to a hundred different vocalists and I could probably make a pretty good record. But what's interesting about it is to have someone with like the lyrical sense of a lucid go over it. Otherwise it's just genre music. You know, there's plenty of people making like retro funk. I don't even try to do that. Like, I don't like, those are my influences, but I'm trying to make like hybrid records. Like that's why Prince and George Clinton are like heroes of mine because like they took all these forms and they weren't just influenced by them. They're like, they're like, it's still going to be my music, you mm -hmm. know, but it's going to have the, the ingredients of that. So to me, I'm like, what's the interest. There's nothing interesting about safe house with like a retro art. Like someone could have just made that really formulaic. Okay. So you give that record to someone like Elucid, and I'm like, now all of a sudden, like, what is it anymore? Um, and that's what I'm trying to do with music with all these people I'm working with. It, it's it's wild is what it is. Safe House is the first joint I heard, and I'm like, is this Elucid on Afrobeat? Like, what's going on? This shit is, like, wild right now. And yeah, it has yeah. it's melodic, and there's horns and shit. So uh, kudos, like Nate was saying, we, we've heard the record. We enjoy it. By the time you guys are hearing this, it will be out in the streets, uh, the lasso and Elucid as small bills. Um, what's what's next for you? What's what's coming up? You've got this record out and you're working all the time. What what can folks expect next from you? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up a record right now. Um, that'll be out early next year. And um, 
I made it the same time as these, you know, it's, there's, there's, it's for lack of a better word. I don't even want it's, there's a lot of people on it. You know, like there's, it's, it's a, it's the, it's tipped way more towards, you know, vocalists than maybe rap or something, but it's, I don't know. It's the same, still just shit I've been working on the whole time, but uh, I'm really excited about it. I think I got these, I'd say my three strands are like, instrumental records like weird genre-less shit which is like what i'm doing with elucid and then more like funk song oriented music so you know those are kind of what those are what i'm working on like at all times like it all can fall into one of those realms so uh yeah i'm about to finish this one and then just start the next one absolutely well, we, we want to thank you for coming on the program, man. Just thanks for making the time. We really enjoy the record, and we, yeah, we encourage everybody to go out and cop it, man. Just thank you. Hey, I appreciate you guys so much, and anyone who checks it out, and, you know, so just th thank you very much for having me on. Bod Rap Pod. Every week we have interviews with people who are moving and shaking in hip hop culture. Today is no different. Joining us on the Zoom, we have Elucid, who you definitely know from his work with Armin Hammer as well as his solo work. But he's got a new record out with Michigan based producer The Lasso called Small Bills. Elucid, how's it going, man? What's up? What's up? Yeah, Small Bills. No thing, no thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, we we had uh, the pleasure of of rapping with the lasso a little bit, um, and wanted to check in with you about this record. Can you give us the kind of abbreviated origin story of 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 how you came uh to work with the lasso and where the the kind of genesis for this project? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The supercut. It's like <laughs> we did a show in New York. He was with Lando Chill. I was playing that same bill. Um, we ended up backstage talking about Farfisas. <laughs> That's right. He hit me up on an email a couple of weeks later, uh, asked about this now realized record, Small Bills. It wasn't called Small Bills. She's like, yo, let's make some music. Mm. And uh, I agreed. A year and a half later, the record is here. That's so dope. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we had a great vibe that night. I remember the conversation was really great. Uh, you know, a lot of laughs and like kind of weird, you know, musician kind of humor or whatever. And uh, I was like, oh, I like this. I like this. And that, that uh, what sparked that still exists today. And it was really dope to flesh that out, you know, in these three uh, recorded sessions we did to make this album. I think this record sounds pretty different from your previous work, not all of it and not at all times. Yeah. But um, I guess what I'd like to ask you is, was, was it something you intended? Was it something you were looking for? 
Was it something that you um, felt able to do because of the collaboration? Like, can you just go into a little bit of um, what, what sets this apart from your other work? And I don't know if you agree with me that it, yeah. it is fairly different. Well, yeah, I mean, um, I feel like I have, uh, listening to all my work, I feel like I, I have like an eclectic ear for sound and style that's never been any kind of like secret, but it's never, I've never made a record top to bottom with one other person that kind of like encapsulated that. Mm -hmm. And with the lasso, we did it. I feel like, I feel like we hit that on a couple of different levels and uh, yeah, it, 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 it is. I've, I recorded it differently than I've recorded any other record. I feel like I've kind of, uh, the, the sounds you've been hearing me on, like Armin Hammer shit is very diverse, but it's still in a, you know, I, I, mm, you, you can sum up that universe, that, that production style, yeah. mm -hmm, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but this one I feel like is a little more expansive. We're hitting a, a couple of different points and connecting things that may not, you know, it's not presented every day. I look at, I look at the, I look at what's out here and it feels like safe and limited and one node and yeah, I just, I, I'm just, uh, yeah, Lasso's a genius. <laughs> and like how we made, how we made this record together, uh, we had other people involved. Uh, yeah, I, I realized I did what I wanted to do. Absolutely, did what That's I wanted great. to do. Yeah. Awesome. So when we talked to the lasso, um, Nate got him to sheepishly admit that in some ways this record has funk. It has a oh. there's a there's a grooviness to it. Um, and and I guess my question is, uh, which is kind of related to what Nate's question was. Are you trying to, was was the attempt to maybe catch some folks? who you wouldn't catch with uh, with an elusive solo elusive solo album or an Arm and Hammer record is is there a nod here to people who are are maybe of a of a different uh, inclination with their rap records no i don't really think about that i didn't think about that here i just knew that i mean i love funk music my father is a bass player mm. he's how i heard funk you know, Parliament Funkadelic and Slave and Sly Stone and Larry Graham and all that shit. Like, I was raised on on funk music, you know? And then he loved rap, you know what I mean? He was there for mm -hmm. when when rap became, you know, it was out in the parks um, with bands or at shows with bands where everyone came to, and then it slid to DJs in the parks. And the bands were fighting for, like, to get jobs and get paid. But the DJ took over, you know what I mean? Like, he was there right. for that transition. So... You know, old school rap as well, and uh, yeah, we I didn't really think about that. It was just like Lasso is a huge Prince fan, so yeah. that <laughs> that's level through. one. Yeah. That's level one, and just like yeah, we just built we just built off that. There's definitely you know he played every instrument almost almost. We had we had, we had you know some help on some other things, but basically the the, the core elements of, of all the tracks were, were like played by Lasso. And I immediately picked up on that because I wasn't really familiar with the sound. Mm. And uh, I think what we made probably a little more funkier than some things that he's made on the solo thing with rappers. And uh, yeah, just I was painting with new colors, new colors. Yeah. I, I love that. So uh, somebody called it your 
Commons Electric Circus record. Um, I would. I don't. I don't totally agree with that. I'm going to posit something else. Maybe uh, Pharaoh Monch Desire record. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that record? He sings. Yeah, yeah. He no, so for the record, for the record, I enjoy. Um, I still like Electric Circus. I actually played Thank it you. recently. <laughs> I played it recently. I was like, this is a good record. I feel like people kind of didn't dig it for you know. Oh, Whatever it's just... Reason, but I, I enjoy it. I still enjoy it. Right on. How many years later? 2015? Oh, yeah, something yeah, like that. Right. Yeah. So, that's dope. Right on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. Um, this is a little nerdy, but I, I care about it, so I'm hoping someone else will care. Like, uh, not only is this you working with a new producer and as a new group, but you're you're on a new label um, for this project, Mellow Music Group. Like, would you mind kind of walking us through how that um, came to be and like does that does that change your expectations for how it will be serviced how things will be handled uh no not really i mean uh lasso lasso has the situation uh mm. with mellow he's produced a a gang of like releases i don't know if people were aware of the gang of releases over mm. there for the past few years um and then he reached out to me like yo i i i want to do this project I want you to be the MC, and yeah, here I am. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to be brought into the fold this way. Nice. That, that's dope. We we talked about this a little bit um, around the time that Shrines came out. Um, how how are you approaching kind of the release, and and how do you hype a record in this era where you kind of you can't hit the road? Um, there's a a shit ton of records coming out. Like what? You as an artist, how how do you feel about putting something to into the world during this time? Damn, man. Damn, I'm probably I'm probably the worst. I'm not a really good person to ask this question. I, I feel like I could do way better on like that 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 promotion and marketing angle, but I kind of don't give a fuck. I kind of just really trust the music. I kind of don't want to be that annoying social media guy. I kind of feel like social media is a really shitty way to promote a record. You know, I. Yeah, I do it. You know what I mean? I just really, I trust the music. I love the music. And mm-hmm. like, I feel like at this point, like people that have been rocking with us, at least will give it a, a listen. And uh, if they dig it, we have the type of people that like fuck with us that, you know, they're going to tell someone else, you know, yeah. it's really just trying to make the flyest shit, you know, and I feel like, you know, uh, yeah, the music, yes, sure. But also visually, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like Backwoods, Backwoods has had some of the flyest videos in, you know, the past yeah. year and a half, two years. You know, we've got, like, really fly merch, you know, album covers and just, you know, I just, just trust in the work, really. And in th- this COVID era, like, there's a couple of different things, you know. Hopefully people love checking towards live streams. We do, we've got something with the uh, Small Bills live stream coming soon. Okay. Um, you know, but trust the work, man. Yeah. Well, well said. And I, I, I admire the fact that you kind of trust other people to do that for you and you can really focus on the art. I think that that's a great position to be in. I know, I know we're here to talk about small bills and I have a, a couple questions that I want to return to, but briefly, can we address the Arm and Hammer live stream? We, we've talked about it on the show. I really enjoyed watching it as a oh, fan. Um, how did it go for you? And is that something you, you think is going to become part of the repertoire here? Hmm. I th- I thought it was really dope. I thought it was really dope. I've always wanted to do something like that. I didn't know it would just be, you know, necessary means for, you know, 
quarantine and pandemic and, and that, but, you know, to release it in this way. But, yeah, it was a really dope experience. It was really simple. It was really easy. Just, you know, I guess securing the, the spot was probably the most, you know, the most thought, I guess, that got put into it. Yeah, we put it together. As, I was doing shit with Woods and Joseph. Like, that's right. It's dope. A couple of hours. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, I, love, I, love, I love how I, Joseph put that together. I don't know if you this will resonate with you or not, but just my main takeaway was, like, you guys are not really the kind of act that would necessarily put out a concert film. And so mm -hmm. I think it, because it, 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 some of the stuff seemed live, like the stuff like in the black box theater, or maybe I heard that was, that was filmed pre quarantine and there were obviously people in the audience responding to you guys, but the rooftop yeah. stuff um, in a way, as a fan, as an Arm and Hammer fan, I got a chance to experience what an Arm and Hammer concert film would be like. And so I, I thought it was a really interesting glimpse into what the visual vocabulary would be and like how you guys would represent it. Um, it were that really an option? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, we're, it's not, we're, nobody really has budget or time for that shit right now, seemingly. So I, I feel like we kind of got a, a backdoor glimpse into what that would be like. And so I appreciated it on that level. Or just like, even, even like just a fraction of the power really, because like, as I was doing it, like, you know, we're recording it outside. There's no one. There's no one that that's there listening to us. There's no one paying attention. The beat is lower than you be right. in a venue. Right. It's really like a, a a feedback loop that I really missed, and I in that moment I really really missed performing in front of like a group of people. Yeah, um, because there's really there's really that thing there where I'm giving it off and you're receiving and giving it back to me and I'm taking it back and I'm giving it back to you. And I, yeah, that's, that shit is powerful. And that, I miss that. I miss that. Maybe mm -hmm. we'll try to do something different with the small bill stream, but um, yeah. 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 And, yeah the, that, the, the live, the live show footage that was from a terror management release party, if I'm not mistaken, in January, we oh, sold, wow. sold out Mercury lounge. That wow. was fly. That was fly. <laughs> Mike, Mike performed. Uh, Akai solo performed, fielded performed. Uh, I had a solo set in Woods was there. Yeah, that shit was crazy. Uh, yep. I have to move to New York. Okay, next question. <laughs> um, uh, Elucid, you recorded at least some of this out in Michigan, um, kind of away from home. Do you think that um, that had an impact on the final Small Bills product? Like, do you think getting away from your, your surroundings totally. influenced what, what came out? Totally. totally. Yeah, it's, it's so necessary uh, for me at this point. Um, and I wanted to do that, and I was really, I was able to be successful. We just kind of, like, had, like, a big kind of space. Um, me, Lasso, Kayana, um, Malachi, we stayed in this house and we just kind of like cooked food and created music and drank and talked shit and just like could record it anytime. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was, uh, I needed that. I needed, I needed that kind of like interruption and, uh, from like everyday life and just, uh, beyond random, <laughs> though the random push that randomizer button and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, I need that 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 focus. So yeah, that that definitely you know influenced that that kind of sound and style. I feel like it's a freewheeling kind of messy record, but it's just kind of like that's what the, the studio interplay was with everyone there. 
just kind of like doing shit on the fly, liking it, maybe not liking it, switching it up, adding on, subtracting, just like very free to do whatever within like a week's worth of time, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's interesting to, to hear you say pushing the randomizer button, because I think I think that would be a great way to kind of encapsulate the, the vibe that I got from the album. It's mm -hmm. a lot of different uh, musical influences. Um, can you talk about your approach to the writing? Because I, I don't want to say that you're doing things here that are radically different from what you do. Um, but it does feel like you you're obviously tailoring what you're doing to the tracks. Is that kind of what the interplay was? You'd hear something and then kind of get going in a direction in terms of your what you're writing? Yeah, I mean, it's always that way. It's always uh, hearing the beat and then the beat tells me which way I should go. And I think, you know, for the past few years, especially, like you've heard me kind of attack a beat one particular way because that beat is that particular way you know like a lot of rap beats kind of you know you can you can box it in a way versus because it's programmed it's npcs and shit and yeah. you can it's already in a grid and looped and it's clean and neat and uh again this lot this small bill shit is live instruments you know what i mean so it's it's a different sort of like approach to it and i just want i was playing i was dancing with, mm. the, with, with the sound, you know what I mean? And that's, that's really the difference. Um, but yeah, I approached, I, I approached it the same. The sound tells me what to do. The sound tells me what to do. But I definitely have, I feel like I have more freedom here. Um, I think melodically I approached it differently. I, the first time I heard Lasso Beats, I immediately picked up on like his ear for like melodies. And, um, and I would just be able to like, home something I thought was, was cool, you know? Uh, and yeah, I came in and I, I did that here on a few old songs. And uh, shout out to Kayana who, you know, made me even sound cooler than what I am already. <laughs> he kind of knocked that out the park for real, for real. Just like, yeah, yeah. Shout out Kayana. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this to drop on, this will be released on the 29th. The next day will be the 30th, so Friday. We're, we're on Monday. This will be Friday. I'm, I'm really interested to see how people take this in. I, I've stated online, I think some people are going to kind of get their mind blown a little bit by um, your, your new approach. And um, I feel like you're giving people a little bit more of yourself. And those are just statements. I do have a question. Uh, my question is, you're a part of, you're, you're a solo artist. You're in Small Bills. You're in Nostrum Grocers. You're in Arm & Hammer. Um, are, are you, do you think you will continue um, doing these amalgamations or collaborations with people? Or do you have a sense of where, where you're going? Like, will it be more solo stuff? Do you have plans to get in other groups? Is it just kismet when you meet someone and you link up to do a group? <laughs> like, how, how, do you, how do you figure all that out? Or are you just kind of riding the wave? Yo, I, I, I just like to play with the best. I just yeah. like to play with the best. And it's... Yeah, I'm just in a space right now where I can reach the best. I can, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just feel like, I feel like, uh, yeah, man, everyone that I'm, like, in contact with, I feel, I feel very grateful because these dudes are, like, the illest channelers and receivers out there, like, musically, lyrically, 
and I just want to play with the best. Like, yeah, I do want to do some solo shit for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm just enjoying like where I'm at right now. And uh, yeah, the solo thing will come because I'm still working on things while I'm working on these things. Like, right. Mm-hmm. I, I did shrines of small bills kind of at the same time, you know, like it just works out that way. Yeah. It just kind of works out that way. That's crazy to me. Um, very good <laughs> records, man. You're just, you're having a hell of a year. Um, it's really, really impressive. Um, I guess um, we'll kind of see on Friday and times beyond how people take to this record. I love it. I just, I just think it's, it's a great step in the right direction. It's fun. Um, I don't know that a lot of underground hip hop is very fun. Yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think we, we need that right now. And uh, the fact that you're bringing it to the table and it, this kind of brought me more into the universe of the lasso who has a extensive web of releases for me to kind of go oh, back. Yeah. On. So, um, I appreciate that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, small bills coming out October 30th, the soundtrack to your Halloween party. Make sure everybody, <laughs> your one person Halloween party that you're having, uh, make sure everybody goes out and cops that. Um, Elucid, obviously we're huge fans, man. We just want to thank you for coming on the program. Really appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank you, Damon. Thank you, Nate. Thank y'all so much. That was dope. Absolutely. Anytime. And uh, we'll, we'll catch up with you again when you, uh, you come and blow our minds with the next release. But uh, be well, man. We'll talk to you soon, okay? You too. Dad bod rap pod. That was our dual conversations with the lasso and elucid. Want to thank them again for coming on. They are the super group, the dynamic duo, small bills album comes out this Friday. Did not get a chance to ask this, but I'm interested to see, will there be like, a little backlash of sorts. Like you mentioned what I was getting, getting at. I was like, let's see how people take this. I love it. Will they love it? I don't know. It's different. Because, because it's different. And it's, it's uh, he said it perfectly. He's like, I'm painting with different colors. Um, And I feel like um, if you're a kind of a dyed in the wool kind of backwoods universe, of sound i think this will be jarring for folks which i'm i'm here for um but yeah that that'll be interesting to see what the the general response is yeah um we'll just have to see it's it's like fruitless to speculate i think it's a really good record i'm very happy to have interacted with the lasso he's a really really chill really interesting guy elucid obviously we're huge fans so it's always good to catch up with him i believe that's his third appearance on the show which yeah. puts him pretty high in the i think the that there, there's only a couple of people who've ever been on that often we're very appreciative of his time um, whenever he has a chance to come and talk to us and what i have to say what i really loved about this interview in particular is like we learned that like he doesn't he's an artist 
he yeah. he's not he's not a label cat like he doesn't really give a shit about stuff like that he lets other people do that and he focuses on his art and it shows because his art is incredible um and he's just like one of the most interesting people in the genre so um yeah just appreciated that and i think it was it was a it's just it's just a really cool record i don't know if you noticed but the the link we got is dead now so i can't listen to it until friday those uh those promo links are so tenuous you have to like get it while it's there i've definitely missed mm-hmm. some stuff like when people send you a wii transfer and you're like oh i'll do it tomorrow and then it's just it, gone then it's forever dead. this wasn't that but i've done that many times some of the publicists send the stuff via wii transfer and it's almost like a dare it's like, yeah. oh, you said you're going to listen to it. Are you going to listen to it in the next 48 hours? Because <laughs> if not, it's gone. Saying, Don't yeah, ask again. I'm glad I, I'm glad I cracked it open, and I'm glad that you actually sent it to me. Because that doesn't happen with all the advances. You're, um, back, you're back in the email account. Grab what you want. That was my fault. Uh, awesome. But, yeah, it's um, – it's cool, man. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing to have access. I I love having access. I love getting to hear things before other people get to hear them. But the hardest part, as I've probably said on the show before, is not bragging about it. Is not being a dick about it. Yeah, and and we we succeeded that at varying levels. But uh, the twelfth element of hip hop is being a dick. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> we do it. We do it here sometimes. Um, if you two are a dick or a vagina. Hit us up at dad at dad bod rap pod on Twitter, um, at dad bod rap pod on Instagram. Every Friday at five thirty, we do an Instagram live little chat. Folks come in, kick it, interact. We get some low key celebrities, some underground rap celebrities pull up every now and then, which is every fun. Every once in a while, every yeah. once in a while, it's good. It's a fun thing to do. It's um something we never would have known we were interested in until we got invited on the questions, which is an Instagram live game show. And so it was just kind of like very, very instantly after that, we were like, Oh, we liked that. We should do that more. Yeah. Because the pod game, like the rap game is about relentless copycattery. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As we can see by the, the the many, many, many podcasts in our genre right now. But um, we were, we're, you know, shout out to Sean Katrowitz. Um, uh, Can't Knock the Hustle podcast. I want to plug that part of the uh, Stony Island audio empire. Uh, uh, just please. to go back to the beginning a little bit, uh, Mike mentions in the Ringer article that he is currently recording what had happened was season two. Uh, perhaps offline we should speculate and then just ask him who he is recording it with because I'm dying to know now. Ooh, I mean, How do you follow that, that run with Prince Paul? High bar. That's a high. Not only does Prince Paul have amazing stories, he's such a, a lighthearted and affable dude that um, it just I could literally listen him to him talk about going to the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like he's he's got that energy. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, who yeah who will be on deck for season two. I'm just glad there's going to be a season two. That's exactly. I was thinking, in addition, oh, just drop this really heavy album. Maybe he needs to do a fun thing to, I mean, he has a network to populate. <laughs> There's not that many of us on the network. So we have, a, we have to keep our flagship show on the air. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, anyway. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Uh, I feel like um, uh, it makes me want to be like, you know, we should do more stuff. Mike's got a, a, a crazy album out right now. He's, uh, just came off a great 
podcast run, had a TV show. He rustles. Like, we don't even get into that part. Like, he literally, like, rustles. Like, (laughs) it's, yeah, it's it's wild. So, Nate and I are going to do some push-ups. Uh, <laughs> work on our Source Magazine biopic uh, screenplay. And, you know, we're going to do Stony Island Proud. Uh, where can people find us if they would like to continue interacting with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so keep hitting us up. We get a lot of good traction on Twitter at DadBodRapPod, um, as well as the Instagram and our Instagram Live, which I mentioned Please listen, rate, subscribe to us on all the places where you interact with your podcast content, whether that be Apple Music, Spotify, uh, YouTube Music, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, just tell a friend. Uh, Lucid made a great point. It's that he really just depends on the art and people talking about it um, to do that work. And in some ways, because we have a promotional budget of zero, uh, we depend on that too. So if you enjoy the content that you get here, please tell a friend. Uh, we're going to keep doing our thing every damn week right here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Oh,